0: Well, someone has said that darkness is the absence of light. Light is powerful. You see, light from a simple candle can be seen from up to 13 miles away. Light conquers darkness. It only takes a little bit of light to illuminate the darkness. No, my son's here this morning, but my son is afraid of the dark. Now, I got his permission to say that from stage because I have a sneaky suspicion that many of you adults are like, I'm still afraid of the dark, all right? Sort of raise your hand. Last time I got kind of a nod, like, I'm not going to raise my hand, but yes, Brian, I'm still afraid of the dark. But I love it. And by the way, my son is the one with the crazy spiky hair you saw in the announcements, so you can picture him while, while I'm telling you this story. So anyways, when we get home in the evenings, I live in one of those 70s style houses that I think they forgot to put windows on. I don't know what the deal is. It's like they wanted to design a cave with a, like two windows. It is super dark in our house. So when we get home in the evening, we send Ellie off to their bathroom to get a shower and we send, not that you need to know all this, you're like, F, you know, you're like, that's a little too much there. But we send Jason off to our shower to go get ready for bed well, it is super dark in our house. And the darkest room are Jen and I's house, my wife and I. So Jason starts from the garage and he goes and he runs and it's super cute. He's running and he's like, you know, putting all the light switches on from room to room to room. He's putting all the lights on and going and going and going. And so, you know, me being the big dad was like, I need to teach my boy not to be afraid. I'm like, son, don't be afraid of the dark. And so one evening I boldly said this to him and I started walking in the room as to model said fearlessness. Well, it was like the Bernstein Bears. Has anybody read the Bernstein Bear books when you're you know to your kids? Please acknowledge that. It was one of those things, because what is the dad always trying to do in the Bernstein Bears? He's trying to teach his son a life lesson that goes horribly wrong. And the son's like, you know, they're like riding the bike and this is how you ride a bike. And he goes off the cliff. And then the next scene, you know, the kid, I love him because he's like, thanks, dad. He's like riding it perfectly, you know. That was one of these moments. So in the evening, we start off in the garage and I'm like, son, don't be afraid. And we're marching off through the house, not turning on any lights, just, you know, to show that I'm not afraid. Well, we get to the darkest room in the house, and I'm like, buddy, go in, you, you can go in. He's like, no, daddy, no. You know, he's like, I'm not going in there. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, come on, I'm right here with you, buddy. Go in, you can do it. You can do it. And he's like, nope. So I'm like, buddy, you know, and then, then you know, the, the patient dad is frustrated at this point, like, look, it's not a big deal. Come on, go in. And I'm marching in. But unbeknownst to me, in the middle of the floor, I don't even know what it was, but I tripped over whatever it was and I stumbled and tumbled and fell. Now, this wasn't just a little light like, trip. This is one of those times that you stumble and you try to catch yourself and you stumble again. And then when you get up, you stumble again. And Jason had put the fan light on and he's watching this rolling, laughing the whole time. I'm really glad that I didn't have to ask forgiveness later for saying anything that might have been inappropriate. But I was reminded that when things are dark, you don't see things as they really are. You may think you're okay when you're not okay. You may think you're doing fine when you're not fine. You may think you know what you're doing when you don't know what you're doing, all because you were trying to do your thing in the dark. If I had been like my son and turned the light on, I would have had to go, I wouldn't have had to go through all those issues. I wouldn't have had to face all those problems because the light would have revealed something was wrong. There was something in the way in the middle of the floor. You see, isn't that like our hearts? It's like our life. It's the irony of it all, right? Oftentimes we keep trying to walk in the darkness, right? I'm bold, I'm brave, I can do this, I got this. And we're walking through and we stumble over and over again. We get used to stumbling around in the darkness instead of turning the lights on that chase away the darkness. In fact, there's probably somebody here today that you've lived in the darkness so long, that you have that pattern of stumbling for so long, and it's so dark, you don't even think there's hope. You don't think the light could ever come back on. But you see, that's the hope of Christmas. It says this, those living in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus came into a spiritually dark world. Jesus, the light of the world, was born on Christmas Day. You see, that's the hope. We're doing these candles with hope and joy and love and peace. But those aren't feelings. That's a person. And his name is Jesus. And he illuminates our darkness. We don't have to stumble in the darkness anymore. Jesus is the light. Your darkness can change by one light alone. The light of Christ. Darkness can only be, be conquered by one person only one powerful enough. It's Jesus. And I want to say his name because in his name is power. In his name is healing. It's everything opposite of darkness. And it's his mission to save us from our sins. See, let's be truthful here. What is the darkness? It's sin. Sin is the darkness. It may be your personal sin. Maybe you grew up. Somebody sinned against you. You might be going through whatever it is as a result of living in a fallen world. It's because of sin. It's dark. Jesus said this in the book of John. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Does your life need light right now? Are you stumbling in the darkness and refusing to turn on the lights? if you've grown up anywhere around church you may have heard that verse before but i found that most people don't know the context in which jesus said that that statement actually came after one of the greatest grace-filled love-filled stories in all the bible in fact some of you may be familiar with it it's the story that's known as the woman caught in adultery and it was right after that event and because of that event that jesus said i am the light of the world I know some of you are like, wow, thanks, Brian. Adultery on Christmas. Joy to the world. Is that what we're talking about? But see, that's what Christmas is all about. It's not this Hallmark perfect life stuff. It's the grit of life. It's the harsh realities of life and Jesus intersecting those harsh realities. Because we're all that woman, right? We're all sinners. We all have darkness we need chased away. We all have darkness, problems, and predicaments, and sin. And Jesus is the solution to our darkness. He radically confronts the darkness in our world and in our hearts. Okay, so the story is found in John 8. I'm just going to give you a quick overview. But in it, these people called the Pharisees. They're sort of like the religious people of the day. The Pharisees drag a woman caught in adultery and they present her before Jesus. And Jesus, they ask him, they basically bring this lady, think of it, the darkest moment of her the shame that she's feeling. They drag her before Jesus and they say, what should be done with this woman? And they tell Jesus, like he needs to know anything about what's in the word of God, that the law says she must be put to death. And before he can even answer, they're picking up rocks and stones ready to throw and kill this woman. But Jesus says the most profound words He says this to them, he who is without sin cast the first stone and then he stoops down and he writes in the dirt. I wonder when he stooped down if they expected him to pick up a stone. But he begins to write in the dirt. And one by one, starting with the oldest to the youngest, they threw their stones down and they walked back into the crowd. And he turned and he looked at her. Don't miss how profound that is. He looked at her. Nobody else would look at her. They'd look on her shame. They would call her things. But he looked at her. Have you ever been in that moment of shame and guilt and you can't even lift up your head and she's probably wanting to do anything but look at Jesus in the eyes, but she can't get past those grace-filled eyes, those light-filled eyes looking at her. It's her deepest and darkest shame, her moment. But he looks at her and he asks her, woman, where are your accusers? They're nowhere, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And he turned to the crowd who were watching and said, I am the light of the world. I love that he stoops down and writes in the dirt. You know, I'm a right-handed, my, my wife's a lefty. And I, it's one of those thoughts when you're preparing for a message. I wonder what Jesus was. Was he like right-handed or left-handed? My wife would say left-handed, thank you. I would say right-handed. All right, are you with me, right handed people? Left-handed people are like, no, because you guys like to write. But I was thinking that, what was he writing? Can you imagine, picture him just writing? I think it's like when you go to the restaurant and the servers can write upside down. I wonder if he was writing lust for all the crowd to see. What if he started writing the Ten Commandments. And as they saw that, they were dropping their stones and their rocks to kill this woman. We don't know. But in the Greek, when Jesus says to them, he who is without sin, that phrase without sin, it means without even wanting to sin. They would have known that immediately when they heard it. And Jesus is like, I'm going to blow your definitions of sin out of the water because it's not just about outward sin it's not just focusing on the outward behavior but it's focusing on the inward heart this is what he's saying he's like listen if any of you have sinned or have not ever sinned and haven't even thought about sinning then go ahead and pick up the first rock you have the right to throw it and they know that they've sinned he's saying no excuses All have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard, the Ten Commandments. No one can stand before him and say, I never sinned. We are sinners and we are living in darkness. Why is that so important? Because until we see ourselves as sinners, we won't see our need for a savior. Darkness produces guilt. Destruction in our lives But when we turn to Jesus like the woman, he says, then neither do I condemn you. You see, God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through himself. That's what Christmas is all about. That's the good news of his coming. You can be forgiven. The weight of sin and guilt upon your shoulders can be relieved. He'll take it upon himself. And he did on the cross. You see, there's someone here who walked in today in a little bit of darkness, in a little bit of shame, in agony over what you did or what happened to you in the past. Maybe somebody sinned against you. Maybe you're in agony over who you think you are, what others say you are. But when you accept Jesus, when you believe in him, you need to know that just like the woman, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. His grace changes everything. You see, you are not what you did. You're not what they say you are. You are who God says you are. And if you're a child of God, he calls you beloved. And because of his grace, if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. That's good news. Now, don't get me wrong. There is an enemy. There's an accuser of the brethren. There's a, a, a man, a person, an angel, an evil thing called Satan. Revelation 12 calls him the accuser. And he's going to hurl insults and accusations against you. And he wants you to think God's speaking. But it's the accuser. Some of you know that voice only too well, just like me. It's that voice that says, after what you did, God can never love you. How could he ever use you again? After how bad you've messed it up, how could he ever forgive you? After all you've done, you can never make a difference in this world. You blew it big time. It's over. Your life will never be good again. Your marriage will never be good again. Your, your kids will never forgive you. It's over. It's too late. You see, that's the voice of the accuser. That's not the voice of the Savior. The voice of the Savior says, I'm your light. I'm the light of the world. Follow me, you won't walk in darkness. It says, where are your accusers? Then neither do I condemn you, for there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It says, his voice says to you today, there is still hope. If you've accepted Jesus, whenever the accuser accuses you of the past child of God, if you're a believer, we need to hear this. Whenever the accuser accuses you of your past, you just need to remind him of his future. Where's his future? It's hell. He's going to be bound and thrown in the lake of fire, but he wants you to believe that God has given up on you. You need to remind him that that's his fate. You're a son and daughter adopted by the Most High God. Don't listen to the voice of the accuser if you've accepted him. Now, was she guilty? Yes. Did she deserve punishment? Yes. Did she need purity? Yes. Did she deserve death because of her impurity? Yes, yes, yes. She deserved it, but he didn't give it to her. Let me say that again. She deserved death, but Jesus didn't give it to her. That's good news. And it's the same with us. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, check this out. When Jesus looked at her and said, neither do I condemn you at that moment, he was no longer the light of the world. He became the light of her world. Is he the light of your world? Can you say that this morning? Can you say, Jesus is the light of my world? And in that very same way today, as we celebrate Christmas, that Jesus is the light of the world, born in Bethlehem, when you personalize this message to you, he is no longer just the light of the world, but at this moment, he becomes the light of your world. And when he becomes the light of your world, that changes everything because darkness never defeats light It lifts the weight of guilt. It lifts the shame off your shoulders. And he forgives your sins and says there is no condemnation for you, child. Maybe some of you realize you don't have the light of the world today. Maybe that's you. I don't know if I have the light of the world. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a savior. But here's the good part. No matter what your shame is, whatever your sin is, whatever the darkness is in your heart, his light reveals hope. And no matter how dark your world may seem right now, he is the light. Right now, he wants to forgive your sins. He can bring healing to your shame. He wants to do that right now. He's the one that you're wrestling. If you're squirming around right now while I'm talking, it's because Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, saying, let me in, believe in me. I am your light. Come to me. Today, if that's you, you can't earn your salvation. You can't be good enough. You simply must believe. Jesus said, believe in him. What I want you to do right now with just every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, if you've never made him the light of your world right now, I want you to pray this. You don't need to pray it out loud. Just pray where where you're at, where you're seated. Pray this after me. Lord Jesus, please forgive all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross so I could be forgiven. I need the light of life. Please give me new life today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you have been believers for a while now. And you need to go back to the promise of that verse. The promise that says, you don't have to walk in darkness. You see, he didn't say there wouldn't be dark times or confusing times or times of despair, but he promises to be there with us. Let him light those dark times. Some of you may have fear of the future. It may be something with your health. I don't know what it is. But have you forgotten that he is the light of your world? You just forgot Turn the light switches on like my son Jason does. You see, I think what happens as believers is we have the light of of the world. He's ours. But in the house, we switch on the lights we want to and we leave others dark. There's that dark room of addiction. There's that dark room of depression. There's that dark room of anxiety. And we try to enter into those dark rooms where we don't want anybody else to go, let alone God. And we try to do it in our own strength. And Jesus is like, look, I bought you with my very precious blood, and that room belongs to me. It's time to turn on the light. Maybe you're a believer here today, and you're keeping some of those rooms dark. Turn on the light. He says there's no condemnation for you. There's still no condemnation for you. Jesus loves you. Ben, you can come up, and I want to end with this really simple, simple illustration. A painter painted a bleak picture of a winter scene. It depicted a storm sweeping across the countryside. Over in the corner, there was a cabin, but it still looked dead and hopeless. But with one small stroke, that painter dramatically transformed that picture. He took the tip of his brush and he dabbed it into some golden paint and he just touched it on the window of the cabin. And the golden glow from that cabin transformed that picture from coldness to invitation to come in, from a picture of death to life, from a picture of gloom to gladness. You see, Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Child of God, don't forget on Christmas this season. He is the light of your world. Turn on the light in every room of the house. Darkness may surround, but it takes just a quick reminder, a dab of golden paint of his promise that he is with you and he is coming again. As we enter into a time of communion, remember it's through his sacrifice on the cross that he can be your light. You should have received a communion cup when you came in. If not, if you'll just raise your hand, the ushers will quickly get you one of those communion cups. As Brandon and the band play, I want to encourage you to stay in your seats and reflect on what God has spoken to you. Is there any dark places in your heart? Is there any rooms that you're trying to keep everyone out from where you don't want Jesus to go? Remember, he bought it with his blood. It belongs to him now. It's time to turn on the lights. And when you're ready, when God searches your heart, ask him, what's in my heart? But when you're ready, take communion as the song's going. Then you could stand up and sing. You could come up here and bow. We're going to be at the next steps area, just right over there. If today you need to pray that there's darkness in your life, that you know that Jesus is knocking on the door, you need to come over and let us pray for you. And maybe there's some of you that didn't give your life to Jesus when we said that prayer and you're still squirming in your seat. You need to go over there and give your life to Jesus. It's a matter of life and death. Heaven and hell are in the balance. Don't leave here today without giving your life to Jesus. If you'll take that communion cup out. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, the cup and said, this is the wine of the new covenant. My blood poured out for the forgiveness, the remission of your sins. Take and drink. Receive his grace to you today. Receive his grace right now. When you're ready, ask God, search my heart. And when you're ready, take communion and then stand and worship with us. Let's stand and worship our risen King. He is coming again. Will you stand when you're ready?